Hello, everyone. Thanks again for joining us on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm Carly McBride, Marketing Program Manager and your host for this week's episode. For today's episode of Order Up, we have a special group of four experts, yes, four, joining us to discuss the evolution and the future of packaging and sustainability in the food service space. The National Restaurant Association recently hosted a webinar on this topic, and with a wealth of valuable information from some of the biggest players in food service, we wanted to share this with our podcast listeners as well. So for this first conversation, you will hear from Missy Shafok from Yum Brands. Uh, She's the Senior Manager of Global Nutrition and Sustainability, also serves as Yum's Global Dietitian and Sustainability Lead. Also, Susan Miles from Yum Brands. She is the Director of Sustainability and Packaging at KFC Global. And Christy Kindry, the VP of Supply Chain and Strategic Initiatives for Tropical Smoothie Cafe. This interview was conducted by Ashley Elzinger, the Director of Sustainability and Outreach at the Food Service Packaging Institute. Ashley did a tremendous job framing the conversation and highlighting the story of these great brands' sustainability journeys. Also, we'll include a link to the full webinar if our listeners would like to watch the webinar in its entirety. So let's see what they had to say. Can you just paint a big picture for us about how um, you and your organization define sustainability and how packaging really helps you tell your story? Sure. So first, I'll start off with uh, Taco Bell is a part of Yum! Brands, which includes KFC, Pizza Hut, and now Habit Burger. So collectively with Yum, we have a definition on how we define sustainability and also, you know, how packaging plays a role. So we have what's called our global citizenship and sustainability strategy, which we call our recipe for good. And this really reflects all of the priorities that we have for socially responsible growth, risk management, and sustainable stewardship of people, food, and planet. So those are our three main focus areas. And collectively, with all of those brands included, we're the world's largest restaurant company, so we can make uh, collectively a huge impact. But I know today we're specifically talking about packaging, so that work really fits within the planet pillar. And from the perspective of Yum and all the brands, we're really approaching it from different levels. But, uh, you know, we have Yum has commitments and all of the brands have commitments, too. At the YUM level, from a packaging standpoint, we have commitments to support forest stewardship through sourcing 100% certified sustainable fiber. Then we also have an overall waste reduction goals through organic recycling and then sustainable packaging. Then at the brand level, we have our own set of commitments. So for Taco Bell specifically, you know, our ultimate vision, which really ladders up to the collective work that YUM and the brands are doing, is to leave a lighter footprint. But how we get there and how we all get there is obviously, you know, very challenging and it's very complex, but it's also a collective effort across all of us. So essentially it's eliminating the packaging we don't need, innovating to ensure that the packaging we do use performs and functions in a way that is operationally and consumer friendly. Uh, you know, our team members have to use this packaging and then our consumers have to use it too. And our, and our business, we're through the drive through we're fast food. So we have to think about how our customers access our brand all while ensuring that the packaging is reusable, recyclable, compostable, and ultimately supports a circular economy, which is really keeping the material in the economy and out of the environment. And that is not easy to do. I think we're all here to talk about that. 
What we do know is that consumers are, are really increasingly thinking about their environmental footprint, which is why we've all committed to playing our part in both our restaurants and also at our corporate offices. So I think it was back in January of 2019, Taco Bell made its global public commitment to make all of our packaging, consumer-facing packaging, recyclable, compostable, or reusable. Uh, remove those added chemicals of concern that you mentioned, Ashley, like PFAS, phthalates, and BPA. And then also to really support the recovery aspect of it is adding those recycling and or composting bins in our restaurants where the infrastructure permits. And this commitment is for Taco Bell's global and it's um, by 2025. So you'll hear from Susan who represents KFC on what KFC is doing, but as a part of YUM, you know, we collectively work together on packaging because it's, it's really not a unique situation for Taco Bell or any of us. This is, this is something that we all have to work on together. And, and the more we do work together, I think the easier it'll be for all of us. So we share resources, best practices. You know, we're members of FPI, Ashley, like you mentioned. Um, we're also members of the Sustainable Packaging Coalition and other organizations to really help us on our journey because it's really will take a collective effort in this very complex global landscape. Yes, it's definitely an rising tide lifts all boats sort of situation. So thank you for that. So Susan, um, being from the same parent company, but a different brand, um, how did you shift to sustainable packaging? How did that start within your organization and kind of what influenced that change and happy little accidents you found along the way? Yeah, good, good question. Um, it really goes back, and I can speak for KFC US because that's that's who I was with at the time. Our journey at, at, with that business unit, KFC US, began back in 2009. And at the time, I was leading packaging, and we were going to do a major packaging update. And it so happened the marketing lead on the project and I were very passionate about packaging and packaging waste and its implications. And we had a really supportive uh, chief marketing officer and even brand president that gave us the runway to explore what beginning to create more sustainable packaging would look like for our brand. And at the time, that meant removing a significant amount of foam polystyrene from our system and replacing that with fiber-based options. And as we explored uh, ways to move forward on that journey, we actually engaged our customers. And what they shared is that anything we could do on the front end make sure the good stuff had already happened before they were handed their packaging, the better. Meaning they knew they were accountable for their behavior, but as a big brand, they wanted to know that we were uh, making every effort and that we were accountable for our packaging and that good things had happened from the beginning. So for us, uh, what that meant is that we made sure that our fiber, since we were transitioning heavily to fiber, was coming from third-party certified sustainable sources And it also meant that we built in post-consumer content where we could. Now, that wasn't a lot of places, but we did find the areas that we could build it in so that the good stuff, meaning where it was harvested, including PCC, happened before our customers uh, actually got the packaging. The other thing we did way back then was we we removed the expanded polystyrene side containers from our system and replaced them with polypropylene. And that one kind of falls into the, the concept of happy accidents. We did move to something that had a better uh, life cycle analysis there, but we also learned through the process that 60% of our customers were actually reusing the containers uh, when we were in market. And so 
we built on that and made sure to actually do marketing around it to our customers to let them know that they could reuse that packaging, that it was microwave safe, top rack dishwasher safe, and that would be a good behavior for those items that they were actually finding value in that packaging for a second life after they received their sides in it from KFC. It was, it was really a thrilling project for me. I learned a lot about sustainable packaging and um, really engagement with, you know, everybody up and down the chain, supply chain, and uh, how to take people with you on that journey. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad, um, you know, there were people that were able to reuse packaging. So that's always wonderful to hear. So let's change gears a little bit and talk about um, how 2020 kind of changed everything. Um, I don't think anything was not affected by (laughs) the virus that may not be named. Um, So Christy, can you tell us kind of what changing dynamics you've seen in the package exchange industry and maybe how off-premise delivery has um, affected your business? So prior to 2020, I think most of the strategic conversation around packaging was really geared toward sustainability and environmental impact. And with a snap of a finger last March, what we really saw was it turned into safety and sanitation and supply security. So I'll kind of start back with the onset and the height of the pandemic. Uh, From a demand standpoint, the industry really kind of sent the supplier base scrambling into an emergency sort of replanning and rebalancing exercise. So think about packaging for theaters and stadiums completely plummeted, Um, packaging for hospitals skyrocketed, and then institutions that didn't previously rely on packaging, such as schools providing off-premise lunches, created a whole new area of demand. So you take that and you combine that with the rise in off-premise and third-party delivery, and you had some items that did this, and you had some items that did that. And so the net pain felt on the supplier side, which is what Ashley talked about earlier, was the impact of sales being completely down, yet the pain on the demand side was really securing the items that did this. So in in the midst of all of this, what we really saw was buyers that kind of panicked and duplicated commitment purchases amongst some suppliers. Uh, We had suppliers that simultaneously sold out open capacity uh, and then were unable to meet their commitments. Um, And so for some brands, packaging really became a a code red supply situation, especially those that needed the off-premise packaging um, as their only life support for a certain period of time. So I'd say largely the elements that skyrocketed were around packaging a meal. So if you think about traditional QSR, they already had a large presence in drive-through and off-premise business. Packaging for a notable part of their business model, and they package things individually, a taco, a burger, a fries, a drink. When you look more at casual and fine dining, you find that you package more meals. So you've got an eight inch clamshell that's got a protein and two sides with it. And so from my experience, that's that's really where we saw the largest increases in demand was those things that package meals. Paper bags and cup carriers were two um, that I heard a lot of stress on throughout the supply chain. And then there's other areas of packaging that have tamper resistance built in. Uh, And so especially, you know, bags, you know, have that notable feature. But what I really saw more brands utilizing were stickers, um, either stock tamper evidence stickers or creating their own branded stickers to to achieve that objective. So 
This area of the business spent a large part of 2020 seeking equilibrium between supply and demand. And I'd say for a large part, it's it's fairly regained some stable footing. Uh, it's not all the way there, but certainly not the same state of affairs that we saw a year ago. And I think, quite frankly, like every other part of the industry, is we're waiting to see what the return to the new normal looks like. Do we um, retain all of these off-premise sales and third-party delivery sales? But then, quite frankly, recently, it's kind of like you pour salt into the wound because just as we're getting into a better place, uh, the recent deep freeze uh, across the South has put a fairly substantial uh, resident adhesive shortage. And so such as supply chain goes, here we go again. Yeah, no no short of challenges in this industry, for sure. Um, great, thank you. Um, and so, Susan, I guess what supply chain disruptions have you experienced and do you continue to have due to COVID? Have you had any strategies to kind of leverage that a little bit? Yeah, thankfully, we didn't have massive outages and that I don't work in supply chain, but that's thanks uh, in large part to the fantastic people that we we have that do work in supply chain and and the strategic uh, partnerships that we have. And I think really probably communication between the two. So the, the things that I noticed that were key for us in navigating this was flexibility, the existing strategic relationships, and then actually pausing some innovation work. So on the, on the flexibility side, it took package engineering, supply chain, and the suppliers being very clear on what parts of our specifications were critical to our brand and what parts were flexible. We were able to partner with our suppliers to allow changes in things like graphics, colors, materials, potentially even sizes, case packs, production and shipping schedules, and even in some cases, production locations. Um, we tried to be nimble there and flexible with our suppliers to help us handle the scope of the disruptions that they were facing in raw materials and labor and lockdowns and all the various issues they were navigating. And then the piece that affected me more in my role was we paused innovation. As Christy said, you know, there was a lot different focus going into last year uh, and when COVID hit, it kind of made us pause some areas of our business. So we did pause innovation projects with our suppliers. They were not up for extra downtime uh, on production lines, and it just wasn't feasible for them. And we wanted to demonstrate that partnership back. So we pushed pause on a significant number of innovation projects and sustainability projects and looking at new materials to allow them to have uh, the line time and the production time they needed to support us and, and other customers. Great. Thank you. And then, you know, Missy, you talked about a little bit earlier, you know, COVID-19 and the shift in, you know, packaging and how it has influenced your sustainability goals. You know, could you talk a little bit about that? And also, you know, what is the consumer response been around that? Yeah. Well, I'd say ultimately our goals, commitments, what we're all working towards leaving a lighter footprint remains the same. Uh, COVID was more like a I'm not going to say a small hiccup, but definitely a hiccup in, in our process. So I'd say more as like part of the process, we've had to shift our short-term direction or delay tests due to the implications of COVID. Really, everything that Christy and Susan has said is, is everything that we've faced too, whether it's supply chain, labor, um, weather, all kinds of things is what is ultimately changed more of the process. But we're still marching towards the same commitments and the same goals. 
I would say, you know, COVID is also impacting communities in different ways. So whether it's our restaurant operations or our suppliers, like Susan was mentioning, we have to be equally as fluid and diverse with them and be flexible. So there's government mandates, we have to follow them. Um, but the reality is um, from a restaurant standpoint, you know, most of our dine-ins were closed. And so 99% of our business was through drive-through takeout delivery. And, you know, we saw a huge, for us, a huge increase in packaging use overall um, because of the way that customers were accessing us um, and the way that we had to get food delivered to them in a, in a safe way. So, you know, we did see some, I think, um, Ashley, you mentioned the, the temporary ban of, or not ban, but temporary um, pause on some of the legislation. And we're definitely seeing that activity pick back up. But we, overall, we saw more use of single-use packaging just across the board. I, I'd say, um, you know, as part of the other part of our commitment with recycling streams in our restaurants, we definitely had to take a pause on that because our dine-in restaurants were closed. So there really wasn't a way for us to, to continue that path. But again, now, um, you know, with dine-in restaurants starting to reopen slowly, uh, we're going to start to pick back that work up. But I think consumers now might have a little bit of a different mindset of their packaging use and 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 just how it's being disposed. You know, more people are eating at home now and they may not have access to recycling in, in their establishment or their residency. And so now they're seeing, you know, just all the single use packaging pile up at home. So they might have a, you know, this is very subjective at the moment. We haven't done any true consumer research on this, but you know, just assuming that people might have a different viewpoint of, of how they're using packaging and then the impact of single-use packaging on the environment. Um, because now it's really at their disposal to do something with. So we're definitely taking all this into consideration as we start to think about what our new packaging looks like, the waste streams that we have in our restaurants and what that looks like. But we also did see some positive things. So in, in markets where legislation exists um, or we had to get creative with some of our packaging solutions in times of need, like if we had weather that impacts the resin manufacturers in Louisiana, you know, coming, trying to figure out, okay, well, what packaging do we need to help fill, fill that gap? Um, in some cases, we had to use packaging that our consumers aren't used to. Um, but we started to see some positive feedback on Reddit. Um, there's this whole thread, conversation thread of how, the real award inside their nachos bel grande was this compostable packaging. So we're actually starting to see some positive sentiment from consumers in reaction to some of the packaging that we're using, whether it's off the shelf or otherwise. Um, but it's pretty exciting to see that they're, they're talking about it on their own. They're excited and, and they want to see some of that change because ultimately we don't want our customers to have to choose between craveability and responsible dining. You know, we want them to feel good about not only the food that they're eating, but what it comes served in. Join the National Restaurant Association for the Public Affairs Conference, April 20th, 2021. This year, the Public Affairs Conference is virtual, making it a great way to get involved for the first time. Hear from political analysts, industry leaders, and lawmakers on key issues impacting the restaurant industry. Register at conference.restaurantsact.com. Once again, that's conference.restaurantsact.com. I'd like to extend a big thank you to Missy Shafok and Susan Miles, both from Yum Brands, and Christy Kindry from Tropical Smoothie Cafe. 
Also, Ashley Elzinga from the Food Service Packaging Institute uh, for sharing their company's journeys in sustainability. There is definitely a lot to learn from all of them. For our next discussion, I'm excited to welcome Laura Abshire, Director of Food and Sustainability Policy at the National Restaurant Association. Laura joins us to discuss the current state of packaging and sustainability policy in the restaurant space, how a global pandemic changed the state of packaging, and how restaurants can play a role in the solution. I'm looking forward to hearing more about these policies and what's coming down the pike. So Laura, thank you for taking some time to chat with us today. Let's get started. So first off, can you give us a quick introduction uh, and tell us a bit more about your role with the association's policy team? Sure. Um, So as Carly said, I'm the Director of Food and Sustainability Policy here at the association. And that means I really handle all of the federal, state, and local policy efforts. That includes legislation, but as well as regulation, and then what the industry wants to do policy-wise. And I always like to say I handle the farm to fork portfolio. So that's everything from agriculture and transportation, the supply chain issues that come along with that. And then once the food has actually hit the table, the nutrition issues and food safety issues and sustainability really is a part of all of that. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Can you quickly touch on some of the challenges we've seen over the past year in the packaging and sustainability space? Um, And what issues has COVID-19 really brought to the forefront? Sure. So as you know, 2020 was definitely a challenging year for restaurants Um, with so many closings and shutdowns. Restaurants really were hit hard by the pandemic, and that goes for packaging as well. With that, many restaurants did not have the supply that they needed. Takeout exploded, you know, delivery exploded. And so there was a real big supply and demand issue. And so I think many restaurants throughout the pandemic have been struggling to keep up with that, especially the full service restaurants where most of their traffic would have been in the restaurant and it moved to takeout and delivery. So we saw a huge supply and demand issue. And I will say that we really did work collaboratively with our supply chain to get that fixed. And I would say now most people are in a good spot. But as far as COVID, I think one of the really interesting things that it brought to the forefront was how meaningful your packaging really is. So before I think people got packaging, you know, they ate their food and then threw it away. But now because the people aren't going into the restaurants as much, it really is your only touch point with the consumer. So how does it function, right? Is it still hot? You know, if the food is supposed to be hot, is it still crispy? Did it stay cold? What is that functionality? What is your brand trying to communicate to the customer? All of those things, the only way you can communicate now is through the packaging um, and possibly the website that you order from. So I think the meaningfulness of packaging was really brought to the forefront. And I think people really understood about you know, functionality much more than they did before. And finally, I'd say that a lot of people didn't realize the impact of packaging on the environment until this. You know, before you were at your office and you ate lunch and had packaging or you had it um, possibly at someone else's house or at the restaurant itself and you threw away the packaging here, you're home 24 seven. So you saw all that packaging pile up. So I think people really started to realize, wow, packaging is part you know, of a big environmental footprint. So I would say those are a couple of things. Yeah, that's really interesting. I um I like when you mentioned about the uh, the packaging being the only touch point with the consumer, and my family has ordered a lot of takeout uh, during this time, and and yeah, it, it really makes you think about you know how you keep the hot food hot and the cold food cold and and that type of thing. So thank you for mentioning that. Um, can you talk to me a bit more about where we stand right now? 
Um, what's the current state of packaging for restaurants and what trends are we seeing? Sure. So I think right now, as far as the supply and demand issue, things have gotten a lot better. You know, we're not as much in a survival mode there. Um, restaurants are, I would say, you know, overall, but as far as packaging, things have gotten better. Um, there's still some, you know, room to go. But where we are now, I think we're back to talking about sustainability more. Before the pandemic, a lot of packaging discussions were focused on sustainability. And then when COVID hit, they moved to safety and sanitation, food safety issues, because that's what people cared about, especially with people thinking that possibly you can transmit COVID through packaging. So that it kind of turned all to that. That I feel like has been um, alleviated a bit. People aren't nearly as worried about it. And so now we're moving back to talking about packaging and sustainability. So some of the big trends we're seeing, obviously there's much more delivery and takeout. It's the huge trend. Um, and also more takeout alcohol. So um, to-go alcohol has uh, really exploded. And we've even seen legislation across the country allowing that now. So there's been more packaging in that area for sure. Another big trend is something called tamper evident or tamper resistant packaging. And that was already happening quite a bit in the industry, but COVID was really just a catalyst for that. So now most restaurants, I would say, you know, the majority want to make sure that the packaging they give to the consumer is tamper evident. So that would be like a possibly stickers, you know, on the packaging. So you can, when you pull it, it's obvious that someone's touched it before you or tamper resistant in some way. Um, that's really a huge trend now, I'd say. And then we're seeing a lot more of different types of packaging. So one would be molded fiber. If you think of, you know, it kind of looks uh, like an earthy kind of cardboard uh, material. Uh, we're seeing a lot more of that. It has a good sustainability story um, because it's made from re renewable material. So I think people are looking to that more. And then there's something called um, PFAS, which is fluorinated chemicals. A lot of consumers are asking restaurants to get rid of that chemical. It's not as much of a sustainability issue as a possibly a human health issue, but people are asking for to get rid of that. And so we're seeing a lot of PFAS alternatives, all the fluorinated chemical alternative packaging out there. And um, the FDA recently and some of the manufacturers have gotten together to start phasing some of those chemicals out. So yeah, we're seeing a lot of that. Great. Well, what can we expect going forward? Are, is there any specific uh, regulations or legislation in the works right now? There are lots of regulations in the works. Um, so interestingly enough, last year, uh, you know, COVID kind of put a pause on legislation around packaging for a very short period of time, I'd say just a couple of months, but that's probably because the entire world, you know, took a pause. But very shortly after it picked back up. And I think partially because everyone saw their packaging piling up at their house, you know, and everyone thought we have to do something about this. Now, the amount of packaging didn't change, right? It just displaced from the in-store restaurant or the, you know, office space to home. So the amount of packaging didn't change, but people saw it more. This year alone, we've had, or we've seen about 150 pieces of legislation in about 30 states. So that's a lot. And a lot of the packaging bills we've seen are focused on single use packaging. So we used to see bills that were focused on one particular item, uh, like polystyrene, you know, your styrofoam cups or something like that, that would target that. Now it's all single use packaging is being targeted. There are bills about recycled content, making sure that, you know, your packaging has a certain amount of recycled content or that the packaging must be recyclable or compostable, meaning it has to be able to be recycled or composted. And then I think another big one that we've seen is something called uh, extended producer responsibility, EPR bills. 
And these are bills that um, essentially the producer or the um, the producer of the packaging or the person, you know, the company introducing it to the consumer is responsible for the end of life of that packaging. So, um, you know, composting or recycling of it. And they form an organization um, to take care of that. So we've seen legislation in that area too. And, you know, for the restaurant industry, we are, we understand all of these, these legislative vehicles and are really trying to work with state and local legislators to make sure that it can work for the restaurant, that, uh, you know, it's effective, cost effective as well, and that it's doable. Great. So from your perspective, what are some easy steps uh, that restaurants can take to support sustainability initiatives? So sustainability, I think, is a really complicated area. It's, you know, lots of different facets. So it depends on where you want to start, I'd say. In packaging, you know, you have to really think about what's within your control. So you could start small by deciding what you want to do. So do you want to do recycled content? You want to buy, you know, packaging that has that? Or do you want to make a commitment that all your packaging, you know, is recyclable? Starting small is probably more advisable because doing everything, number one, is not cost effective. But also uh, you really need to understand the legislative and regulatory space in your local area to understand what's mandated for you to do and what you can do on your own. And then I'd say you really starting small is figuring out what your customers want, right? So every brand, every restaurant is going to have a different customer base and and their concerns might be different in the environmental and sustainability space. You know, if you're seafood, you have a very different concerns about sustainability than you do possibly, you know, if you're a Mexican restaurant. So it just depends. But I would say there are very simple things like first determining your goals. You know, what do you want to do? Um, and talking to your suppliers, you know, speaking with your suppliers and making sure you understand what's available to you is a great first step. And then I think more broadly, thinking about sustainability, you know, there's a lot of other areas in sustainability. So water conservation, energy conservation, you know, as simple as changing your light bulbs to LEDs or fixing, you know, leaks is, is helpful. But then tackling other big issues, uh, food waste is a huge one in the industry. Uh, that's a, you know, a very big carbon emissions come from creating food waste. So a lot of people like to start there. You know, we always say you can't um, manage what you can't measure. So just starting to track and measuring food waste will make a huge difference in your um, carbon emissions. Great. Um, So kind of bringing everything full circle, what progress do you hope to see as the industry transitions finally (laughs) to a post-COVID era? So I hope to see obviously a transition back to the sustainability story I hope to see the industry working together to kind of figure out that infrastructure we need because we all want packaging to be able to be recycled and composted, but the infrastructure isn't there in the U.S. So I think that's a huge issue that we need to tackle here at the association. We are part of a number of coalitions in D.C. working to um, move that forward to increase um, recycling through better infrastructure. Um, So I really hope that we get back on track with that. I hope that the supply and demand issues, you know, get cleared up. But I will say, I think COVID was helpful in trying to make sure that we're all very collaborative and we understand supply chain issues. Um, so I think a lot of that has been um, helpful in a way to, to really understand all of that. And then finally, I'd say increased functionality, right? Moving forward, I hope this has taught us how important packaging really is to consumers. And so, you know, what does it do? Is it uh, ease of use? You know, how 
um, how well does it perform and how functional is it and and what does it say about your brand right so i really hope restaurants use packaging as a way to educate their consumers on what they're doing in sustainability and use it as a, a means to really show what your brand's all about well, very good. Thank you, Laura. There was a lot of really insightful information in there that I think our listeners can really use to make impacts of their own. So thank you so much for joining us today and have an awesome day. You too. Join the National Restaurant Association for the Public Affairs Conference, April 20th, 2021. This year, the Public Affairs Conference is virtual, making it a great way to get involved for the first time. Hear from political analysts, industry leaders, and lawmakers on key issues impacting the restaurant industry. Register at conference.restaurantsact.com. Once again, that's conference.restaurantsact.com. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.